who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy name. Lord, I praise you that you are steadfast in, um, in love and mercy, Lord. I pray that your grace inspire us um, to come to the throne and to bow before you and be humble before you, Lord. I pray for the message today that our hearts be open to learn from you, Lord. We pray this in all, all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm actually kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. Bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. And then me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself, and then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. (laughs) Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. My story ain't nothing. Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom tooth story, because you ain't going nowhere. The four wisdom teeth people are going to parachute in and cut you off at the pass. Halt! Halt with your two wisdom tooth tail! You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um... I had two, but I had four pulled. Oh, okay. No, five. No, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were wrapped around my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tusks. I was a warthog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn in the cob that afternoon. Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. 
Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you me! You me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition? People get something out of that. That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business all. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on. You know, I'm driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I get a Swiss account that I don't really check it. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. Might have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, you know, you know Pacific Rim Company is going to try to take that over. And blah, 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 blah. it's a global enterprise. Blah, 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 I walked on the moon. <laughs> well, you have the floor, Moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> in my lunar rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, wait, we're the only ones on the moon. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of those situations? Have you ever been that guy or that gal that's just waiting for them to finish their story so that you can tell yours? Isn't it interesting that a secular comedian puts his finger on the pulse of sinful humanity? And he says out loud, I don't understand it. I don't know why people think that they need to outtell other people. But we know the answer to that, right? It's, it's our need to be in control. It's our need to be, to be big. It's our need to be powerful and strong. We've seen so far, this has been a big struggle, struggle for King Nebuchadnezzar, hasn't it? I mean, he has tried to be in charge, and he's tried to be large, and over and over and over... God puts him in his place, really. I mean, if we wanted to look at it kind of in a harsh way, that's, that's what God does. Uh, I was uh, driving, I drove the, the camp kids to the lake Wednesday of this week, and uh, I was driving along, and one of the counselors was sitting behind me, and he's telling a story. He was telling a story about he had a ring on, and he jumped off a ladder, and his ring caught on the ladder, and and it really messed it up really bad, but he had people praying for him, and, and, and it healed really quickly, and, 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 you know, I mean, he's still got all of his fingers. And, and I'm thinking, I should just hold my hand back and go, well, at least your ring came off, you know, something like that. Seriously, I'm thinking this in my mind. Well, I could one-up that story. I didn't. I did not. I don't know why I didn't. You know, I love to tell stories, and, and I like to share things, but I didn't. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I really wanted to, but that's the me monster, right? That's, 
that's the, the, the emphasis on, is on this other person right now, but I would like it to be on me. Now, I, you would lie to me if you said, I've never done that, David. Because I know you have. In fact, I know a few folks in here who, who, who love to tell stories. And we've told stories together before. And it's always, well, oh, it, we don't say that. We don't say, oh, yeah, well, I. We don't start that way. We just say, well, I was. Well, there was this time. Young kids, you look at your parents and they go, yeah, in the olden days, right? Laura's like, yeah, yeah, they say that. Um, well, this happened over and over and over with King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you haven't yet, turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be today. And even when it seemed like the king got it, you know, like after, after Daniel tells him what his dream was and then interprets it, it seemed like he, he understood, but then he kind of goes off on his own and on himself again. And he's like, well, I don't want this to happen to my kingdom, so, so I'm going to unify them. And he, he makes this big golden statue and he's, he has everybody worship the statue. Not God, not the God of the Israelites, but the statue. And, 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 and what happens? Some men of Israel are accused of not doing what the king says, and they're thrown in a furnace. And, and the king sees them survive. Not just survive. It miraculously brought out of that. God provided a protector in the midst of that fire. Not a hair was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of the furnace. And it seemed like King Nebuchadnezzar at that moment acknowledged the God of the Israelites. And, and he did to a degree, but then he falls right back into it again. And, and, and to a, a, a fairly severe degree, King Nebuchadnezzar falls right back into thinking of himself. Uh, what does he say at the end of that chapter with, with the, the fiery furnace? He says, um, he says anybody, uh, men of God stand up against the false worship and with courage give, uh, given them by the Holy Spirit say, you can threaten us, you can threaten our lives, but we're not going to worship that, that statue. And they get thrown in, they come out, and then, and then the king says this. He says, anyone who talks bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is to be cut into pieces. Now, he didn't, in this time, he didn't tell everyone, let's worship their God. He said, don't speak bad about their God. And then, again, he falls back into his own personal power. Uh, Israel's in exile Nebuchadnezzar is having dreams. Think about your life. Think about the process that God has brought you through and is bringing you through. And, and this is going to be the first point of the day. But how many times did we see Israel confess, fall on their knees before the Lord, completely surrender and worship him, and then sometimes within days or within years, they've turned back into their own selves and life is all about them. And then, and then what? They wander in the desert for 40 years. God puts them there. God puts them there. Or they're carried off. Or, or the Philistines are given uh, power next to them. And they're just this thorn in the side of Israel. And God is using them in the nation of Israel. What are those things in your life and in mind that God is using 
to, to get us to focus our eyes on him instead of ourselves. And God is doing that not only for the nation of Israel as they've been dispersed and they are in exile in this period of time, but God is doing it for a Gentile king, Nebuchadnezzar. And the first point of today is this. God is very patient with us. God has been taking his time with King Nebuchadnezzar. He could have smote him immediately, but he did not. He did not. He gave him dreams, and he saw, and then he fell into his own, and then he gave him a vision. He gave him a physical representation of Jesus coming and saving those three men out of the fire. And he gets that much closer, but then he falls again, and he falls falls again into his own thing. But think again, think about this very fact that God is very patient with us. God is very patient with me. And I only pray that my wife is as patient with me as God is. Right, husbands? I mean, think about that. Wives, what are those times when your husband has forgiven you or he has been gracious and, and, and merciful over and over and over again? That's, that's how God is with us. You may think that you've come to the end of the rope with God. You haven't. You need to recognize that God is patient with you. Now, that's not an excuse to do whatever we want. But it's a reason for us to get on our knees and to worship him. Nebuchadnezzar continues to try and save, uh, serve himself in his pride, yet God continues to be patient with him. Look at Daniel chapter 4. I want to I read, uh, actually beginning in verse 28. Actually, whoa, What happened? No, I don't, I don't want to start in verse 28. Uh, Daniel chapter 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Verse 6, so I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. We've been here before, haven't we? We've been here before. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Why is he doing this? Why is he bringing them in? He's had Daniel before him before. He knows that Daniel's the go-to guy. He tries to fix it on his own. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came and I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. 
Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict and so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So God gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream. And Daniel then interprets it, and and Daniel tells him, essentially, it's you. He says, it's you that you're, you are the tree. You, O king, saw a messenger. Verse 22, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts on the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from the heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump. And then he says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of the heavens, with the dew of heaven, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Nebuchadnezzar, you've, given a vision of, you've been given a vision of the future if you remain on this path. And, and Daniel says, I'm telling you, denounce your pride, denounce your selfishness, denounce your control of your kingdom, submit to God as king, and may it be that then your prosperity will continue. God has been so patient with him, hasn't he? He is that patient with you and he is that patient with me. And then the dream is fulfilled. So he's given this reminder. And look at verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Everything that Daniel described to him, the dream, it happens to him. Twelve months later. So I guess the, God has given him another year. Patience. Patience. 
12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, look at these words. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and, the, and for the glory of my majesty? Has the me monster not risen in the heart and mind of Nebuchadnezzar? You could just see him beating his chest. This is mine. I have done this. How many times is that true of you and me? I've done this. I did this. I built this. I earned this. Look at me, everyone. It comes out in our stories and in our conversations. The me monster wells up inside of us and we take credit. And then verse 31. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice from heaven says, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. How many times have we heard the phrase, pride goeth before the fall? It's true. It's not just something that kids, your parents say just to move their lips. It's true. Pride goes before the fall. Nebuchadnezzar was given a warning. He was given a verbal reminder, and then it happened. I believe that as a congregation, as a church family today, we're receiving that warning today. We are be, being, you are being given a gentle reminder that maybe you've been given too strong of a place to the me monster in your life, and it's time to step back and humble, you, humble yourself before our God and Creator. You see, God is the potter. Point number two. God is the potter. Um, hey, Nathan, come here. Come up here. Yeah, come stand right here. Okay, now turn and face the screen. All right, pretty cool screen, huh? God is the potter. All right, now turn and look at these people. Mm. Okay, now go sit down. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. How hard was that for you to come up here? Exactly. It's not, is it? You just submitted to, to me. I said do this and you did it. You're not worse for it. Now, had I not given my son the last $5 bill I had in my pocket last night, I would have given you a $5 bill, and then you'd have been better for it. (laughs) But I don't have anything. Sorry. Uh, Here's the thing. And kids, this is so true in your relationship with your parents. When we obey, when we submit to someone who's in authority over us, and we just do it, it creates a lot less hardship in our life. It's really easy to do. We are deceived to think that, that we should not allow anyone to be in an authority over our life, that we should never submit to anything. Wives are told that in our culture today. Husbands are told, how dare you to think you would have any authority or that your wife should submit to you. We, we think that to our government. Now, there's certain things that, yeah, absolutely, we should, we should be opposed to that. But generally speaking, 
When you drive from Lingle to Torrington and you drive 70 miles an hour, how hard is that? How hard is it not to drive 72? Some would say that's really hard because I just can't drive 70. But we submit to laws and authorities over us every day. And generally, it's pretty easy. We just do it. And if Nebuchadnezzar had submitted to to the command of God over him to put him first, he wouldn't have had seven years of acting like a cow, eating grass, being covered in dew in the morning. Now, did God do this to him because he hates Nebuchadnezzar? No, he's doing this to Nebuchadnezzar because he loves him. And he knows that there's something better for him. Something much better. And if Nebuchadnezzar had just surrendered and found himself humble before the Lord in this moment and this time, he wouldn't have had seven years of misery. What are those things in your life that that you are holding on to before God? And he's saying, submit that to me. Surrender that to me. Get on your knees before me and make me number one in your life. Put your eyes on my kingdom. And, and we continue to insist on keeping our eyes on our kingdoms. And what happens? What happens when our children defy us? We discipline them. Why? Because we're mean parents? No, because we know that one day they're going to have to submit. To, well, not only will it make their life more peaceful today if they would just submit to that, but another day when they're an adult and they're working for somebody, or, or they're, they're an authority over somebody else, if they don't have that figured out by then, they're going to have a miserable life. And that's just looking at it in the secular sense. But in the spiritual sense, it's true too. We, oftentimes, we think it, it's, it's unfair. I, many, many children in our culture today spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to a big college where there's these well-known teachers so that they can learn under them. You and I do that online. We, we'll, we'll go and we'll listen to our favorite pastor who's a really powerful speaker. Or, or we'll, we'll, we'll watch TED Talks or, or whatever it is online where you go. Or you read Farm Journal for crying out loud. What you're doing is you're looking for wisdom and knowledge so that you can do what you do better. We do that every day. We need to recognize that God is the potter. Show that picture, Roy. I, I, this is a beautiful picture, I think. Take me, use me, mold me. I give my life to the potter's hands. That's ultimately at the end of the message where we need to be surrender to the potter's hands. But what we need to recognize is, number one, Jesus isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. And two, if that clay had feelings, it would be pretty upset right now. Because that potter is just doing whatever it wants to with the clay and pushing on it and spinning it. It's like dizzy, right? So total surrender and, and surrendering ourselves to the hands of the potter is messy business, and we need to know that going in. There may be times in our life where, where, where he's, he's getting us worked into that pot, and he just, he's like, no, this just, we just gotta, we just gotta change the direction here. And he takes us and kind of crushes us a bit and starts over, maybe. There's some things that we just won't let go of. 
We just won't give up. For Nebuchadnezzar, it was his kingdom. It was the sense of power that he felt. But when we submit to God as our Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and we rely on the Holy Spirit every day, he works on our minds, he works on our souls, he works on our physical bodies and our relationships, and he molds us into what he wants us to be. And it's completely and totally up to him how he wants to do that. And that is the best place for us to be. The world will fight us on this. Our pride will fight us on this. Our selfishness will fight us on this. But we need to surrender. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 say this, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. If you are in the midst of discipline from God, perfect. It's evidence that he loves you. Children, if you are going through discipline from a parent, perfect. It says that they love you. Now, the caveat to that is human parents are not perfect. And we do make mistakes sometimes. Well, once in a while. Occasionally. The Lord doesn't. We never have to be afraid that he's going to be too harsh or that he's going to expect too much. We just need to submit ourselves to him as the potter. Whether it's discipline for rebellious acts or the molding of our character and our lives. Just because we, we, we haven't committed an egregious bad decision or bad choice doesn't mean that God's not going to be molding you and shaping you as a person. You, you might ask yourself, why am I going through this? I'm being obedient to God. Well, Don't ask me, ask him, for one. But maybe it's not a sin that he's trying to root out of you. Maybe it's a part of your character or personality that God wants to strengthen or grow or shape. You see, a loving father is attentive to his children, and God is attentive to you and to I, to me. He knows what we need. He knows our personalities. He knows what we respond to. We, we mentioned in the parenting class this morning that every kid that we have is different. And it would be so much easier if they were the same, wouldn't it? I mean, we could have the same rules, the same forms of consequence, and the same forms of discipline, but, but it's not. It, every, even identical twins are different. Now, I don't know that as a fact, but I'm guessing that that's true. We, we have to deal with them differently. We discipline differently. We have different rules. We can, uh, we can, some kids are more responsible than others. God knows each and every one of us. He knows exactly, perfectly what we need. We can trust him with that. We need to submit ourselves to him as the potter, which then reminds us that, number three, we are the clay. We are the clay. We are sheep made out of clay. (laughs) Immediately, verse 33, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. 
He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I Nebuch- he, is te- he is giving this testimony himself. The king is telling people this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. In those moments, Nebuchadnezzar became clay in the hands of God. Those seven years, and he fully surrendered. If that were not true, God would not have restored him to his kingship. Look at what he says there. It says he raised his eyes toward heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Seek first. Put your focus and your attention and your time on the kingdom of God, on him, on on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar goes on, and my sanity was restored. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All these things will be added unto you. You can trust, just like a child, as, as they continue to be part of a family, some, you know, early on when they don't know any better, but later on as they choose to submit to the rules of the house, etc. When they do that, all of these other things are added. They don't have to worry about buying food. They don't have to worry about paying for it. They're covered with health insurance. All of those things that parents do for their children are taken care of. The kids just don't even have to worry about it. We are the clay. Here's, Here's his confession in verse 34. Nebuchadnezzar finally surrendered and humbled himself before God. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? God does whatever God pleases with whomever he pleases. At the same time, verse 36, that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. Only through a powerful, miraculous, supernatural act of God could that be true. Right? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's been gone for seven years. He looked like a freak. He, he, was, he was insane, essentially. And And he comes back and says, hey, I'm better. I can be king again. If that happened in this country, what do you think would happen? (laughs) They would not be restored. He was. Splendor will return to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. And I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. So if Nebuchadnezzar ever had an opportunity to brag and be prideful before, now he really has it because, because now he's really great. But in verse 37, he goes on and says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, not himself. 
Because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. God just put him in a position of shame. And he could, he could have continued to rebel against that. But he didn't. He surrendered himself, which is where we want our children to be, right? We don't want them to rebel against us. We want them to follow the rules, to be obedient to us, and, and to grow in our relationship with them so that one day when they go off to college or adulthood, they've learned those things and they will then begin to teach their children the same things. And, and we all know, even as children ourselves, Maybe you're here today and you don't have children. We know that when we submit to our parents' authority over us, life is a lot easier. And here we have King Nebuchadnezzar surrendering. You see, Jesus calls what Nebuchadnezzar found here, Jesus calls this life. Jesus calls this life, eternal life. The best decision we could make each day is to surrender everything we have, everything we are, everything we hope to be one day to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's when life is lived. That's when we experience glory and peace in our life. Even amidst some of the hard and difficult things that God continues to put in our place and allow in our place for us to grow we're not fighting him. You know, you're, you, you tell your kid to take the trash out and they do it. Life is easier because they did it. But it doesn't mean it wasn't work taking the trash out. I mean, life in Christ isn't, isn't an easy, isn't easy street. It's difficult. I, I mean, I think that's one reason, I, that's one reason why I'm here. That's one reason why you're here, because it's difficult to get to the end of life faithful to our Creator, and and we need to gather ourselves on a regular basis to be reminded of what He is calling us to and challenging us to and to, to hold each other up till that moment in time when, as that song, last song, I think it was the last song we sang, where, where my, my strength is leaving and my life is about over, but I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I may leave this earth, and that's okay. Because I will be with him for all of eternity. Is the me monster a major part of your life? It's time to let him go. It's time to let her go.